Welcome to the Electrician's Co-op. I'm your host, Rob Bruss. And I'm Jamie Small. On today's show, we have Dan Pollard from Fergus. If you're an electrician that is looking to streamline your operations, then Fergus will help you do exactly that. Fergus is Australia's leading trade and services job management solution for businesses with one to 50 staff. The software will allow you to take control and work smarter from your client's first call to just scheduling, quoting, job completion, invoicing, and payment. Fergus is the brainchild of Dan Pollard, a veteran tradie. He dreamed it up a few years ago while he was knee-deep in the trenches of running his own trade businesses. After going bust once and burning out once, Dan figured out that a trade business needs proper systems in place to keep them running without running the owner into the ground. In Dan's search for great systems, he developed Fergus, and it was so good he was able to grow his business from four employees to 24 in less than four years. In fact, he even worked himself out of a job. Today, we're going to learn how Fergus helps businesses and how they can help you too. Let's get started. G'day, Jamie. G'day, Robert. How are you? I'm very well. I'm really excited to have Dan here from Fergus. Yeah, man. Super pumped. Yeah, when we first kicked off the Electricians Co-op, there was a bunch of companies that I kind of earmarked to have on the show, and Fergus was one of the ones at the top of the list, actually. So it's a real thrill to have Dan here today, and things are tracking along nicely. But before we get into that, how's your week going, mate? Has it been busy? Um, funny, I just got, I had to duck home and grab a ladder for one of the boys and we've got a granny flat down the back of our house. Anyway, our tenant said, oh, there's, um, maggots falling from the rangewood. Oh no. I'm like, yeah, right. Oh no. So anyway, she sent me a few <laughs> photos. So anyway, I went down there this afternoon just to check it out. So I took the cover off the front of the rangewood and there was a dead rat inside where the ducting goes oh outside. Yeah. Oh, it was on the outside of the, the house? No, it was on the inside in the ducting that goes outside. It must have crawled through the ducting because of the smell and of got, the food. got stuck. So anyway, she was on a conference call, so I quickly grabbed my pliers, grabbed the rat, put it in a box and got, uh, disinfected. Got the hell out of there? <laughs> <laughs> still doesn't know what it was. Always makes for an interesting day. More well, my day hasn't been that interesting. It's just been emails and phone calls, unfortunately. Nothing fun like that. G'day, Dan. Welcome to the Electrician's Cult Podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. Always thank you for the invite. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Dan. Really appreciate your time. Before we kick it off, mate, and get into Fergus, we want to get a little bit of background on you and talk about that. I detect an accent there. Why don't you set the frame for us? And- solid, eh? solid, solid Australian from South to South Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so it was he nailed that. That's, That's actually, a good actually pretty good. He could, could have pulled that off. I'll, well, I'll have it. I lived full time in Sydney for a few years. Just uh, only came back about a, a year ago. I love, I love Australia. It's great. Yeah, nice. So, how long did you live here in total? Just one year. Uh, and I was going uh, for two years, six months of the year while, while I was setting Australia up, and then I moved over full-time for two years in uh, in Bondi. Oh, nice. Oh, beautiful. Well, you can't complain there. I did not complain. <laughs> so whereabouts in New Zealand are you from, Dan? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Auckland. Oh, nice. Very nice. Another beautiful part of the world. Yeah, I spent totally. a little bit of time over there in that yep. as well. It's a lot like Sydney, I think, it just is, the harbour yeah. and the, the people and stuff like that. Just as expensive. It's one of the highest um, oh, yeah, value yeah. houses, places in the world, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, trying to play plumbers and sparkies, I mean, it's so expensive. It's so much here, it's crazy. That's all we want. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, COVID there in New Zealand across the way? Uh, it hasn't really affected you guys that that much, has it? No, not really. Not really. I mean, there's a, I don't, you know, there's a shortage on building materials, shortage on labour and a building boom. So if prices are going up, everyone's getting paid well. It's a very strange time. So is there a shortage of building material in New Zealand as well, is there? Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Because um, one of the guys from works, his um, mum works at one of the biggest timber mills in New Zealand, and they're struggling to supply New Zealand alone with the amount of timber that they need, and they're not sending as much of it overseas as they once were. Yeah. So yeah, can't make enough. It's weird. Mm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with the boom or just with the shortage or both. It's a strange combination, isn't it? Strange combination. You know, because there's always seems a reason why house prices stay high, whether there's, there's too much immigration or there's not enough finance and now there's not enough labour and not enough materials. <laughs> yeah, that's a really weird one. That's one we haven't come across before. It's not happening here in Australia. I was one of the boys before at work. There's a real market because we rely on timber and steel so much. There's a real market for something recycled out mm. of plastic. I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's smarter people out there than us trying to invent something, but there's certainly a market. It sort of makes you realise you need something when there's a shortage of something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, tell us a little bit about your background as a tradie because you've been up and down the scale of good and bad. So you're a plumber by trade, right? Yeah, my dad's a builder and I've always had a, a knack for working with things with my hand, if that makes sense. Yep. And I wanted to be a builder, but my dad said there's no money in building, you'll be a plumber, they always make money. <laughs> and that was kind of my career path set just like that, really. Simple as that, nothing more to it. No. Nah. I was enrolled to be an architectural drafty, but he said, no, you're not doing that. There's no money in that. And because my dad was, my dad was good. And he said, he said, son, you could either be a, a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond. And he says, you're not that bright to be one of the world's best architects. But he says, you could be, you could be, you could do very well in plumbing. Yeah, right. So tell us the Fergus name. Where did, where did that come from? What's the story behind the name Fergus? That's, that's my little dog. Because oh. uh, <laughs> the logo is the dog as well, isn't it? Is that yeah, the same well, dog? Like, you know, he's longer and friendly. He was there before the first wife, before the kids, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so he was he was loyal. And is he still around? No, nah, F two is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, the new one's called Fergus as well. Oh, I get that. <laughs> Classic. I love it. That's but, good uh, stuff. So started started plumbing at seventeen. By nineteen, I was like a leading hand in the firm. I was running. Always been very bossy. You know, so I had 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds reporting to me at just 19 years of age on mm. sites, running these big plumbing sites. Uh, 21 working as a contractor, 22 self-employed, had some staff, then sort of doing okay financially in one respect. And then by 24, that was all over. And so I managed to buy a house and then didn't know anything about really about GST properly, prop tax, and had this big tax bill, like 60 grand back in 1997. So like 200 grand. Yeah, 200 grand. Now, yeah. yeah. Ouch. Ouch. And, but I was also done, I was done from like working seven to five on the tools plus paperwork plus burning through relationships and massive tax bill, couldn't pay it and was done. Like I was done emotionally, right? Like how, how the hell do I solve that problem? Yes, I basically just shut that, had to shut that door. And was that at 24? Was that after you bought your house? Yeah, after the after I bought. So the, the yeah. deal was like sell the house and didn't want to do. But the tax department were really good. Had a got accountant. They were really good. And had to pay that 60 grand back in a year and there'd be no penalties. And so I went contracting for another another plumbing firm, um, worked for a whole year, and every paycheck just went to pay off that tax bill. Ouch. Yeah. And I think I don't, if anyone needs to, you need to go through that sort of pain to understand. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I agree with that. I think you've got to experience the other side of it rather than somebody telling you, you've got to pay your tax, you've got to put some money aside for GST. Yeah, it's yeah. Good to actually yeah, feel yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> to feel the pain of, oh, my God, I've got to pay all this money back now. <laughs> hey, Dan, before you move on with that story, is it, a, is it a fairly natural progression for most tradies in New Zealand to move from employment into their own business or is that just that's not for everybody? Not for everyone. It's, I'm seeing it less and less. 
I'm seeing less young guys come out as sole traders now. And I don't know if that's just because people are realizing it's harder and harder to work for yourself or the new generation don't want to do that sort of risk. I'm not sure why the new generation are not going out like we all went out as sole traders. Something's going on in the market. I don't know what it is. Yeah, right. What about you, Jamie? Is that the same thing here? It's not for everybody, is it? Not everyone wants to have a small business well, or be in business. I think for me personally, I just automatically think of my guys as you you want to do what I want to do. But, but they don't. They don't. No, not at all. And I think I've always wanted to have career progression for our guys, but they don't always want that. Sometimes guys just want to come to work, uh, work from 7 or 4 o'clock, 7 or 3.30 and go home and not have to worry about it until the next day. It's not for everyone. And for the guys at work, I sort of paint a bit of a horrific picture of what I do, but it's not all that bad. Now, I really enjoy it and it's, it's not for everyone. And just the, the hard part is thinking about it all the time. It's always, even though you might, might not be at physically working or talking to clients or on the computer, the thinking part is a big component. So rather than thinking about my, my family or whatever or something else or something social or entertainment, I'm thinking about work, which I enjoy, but it's not for everyone. But, yeah, it seems like a lot of guys in our area are having a crack but then soon realise that it's not for them. Yeah, Because there's enough. a lot that goes with just making money and just turning up to work every day. What are what? your thoughts on that, Dan? Oh, I think I wish I'd never started for myself at 22 and wish I'd actually spent more time working in a bigger firm as an operations manager learning the ropes of actually quoting properly, actually managing jobs properly, learning how to bring jobs in on time and on budget and to an agreed outcome, actually learning how to do that in a with methodology, actually having doing more of a business degree and learning about marketing and sales. Like I, I literally spent like seven or eight years in the wilderness trying to learn all these things, which you could have learned in a couple of years. Mm. And yeah. it, I shouldn't have gone through that pain journey. It's the pain journey, right? And so now I'm like, okay, how can we shorten that pain journey to as as short as possible? Uh, ask someone who's done it before and has been through yeah. all the pain. Well, that's the thing. That's, <laughs> well, that's the idea of the co-op, Dan. So we yeah. can sort of share each other's experiences and go, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'll do this instead. So but rather, you know, than- I reckon everyone should work for themselves if they want to, but don't do it until you've done your apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, and totally. Well, I came pretty much straight out of my apprenticeship straight into business and learned pretty much everything the hard way. But um, on the back of that, you know, all that learning, I've, I've made the mistake once rather than twice, which is good. Yeah, I think what you're describing there when you're talking about uh, thinking about business consistently and it never goes away goes to a very large part of what Dan's talking about when he was emotionally burnt out. Yeah. Because you, you, business is always, always there front of mind, but then you've got this giant tax bill that never goes away. And how do you deal with customers? And then how do you deal with your books? And how do you deal? And then how do I deal with this bloody tax bill? It's just a thing that never ends. It's a song that never ends. Tell us about when you paid that tax bill off. What did that feel like? Oh, uh, no, still just hollow. Yeah. Because, it wasn't a big relief. No, because you're working all year, paying it off week by week. And it's, you just, I mean, luckily I've got grit, but it's still a pretty bitter year, right? And then you're still at your bank account is now at zero. Like you still, you've worked all year and you're now, the pain of that other two hasn't gone away. You're still now at zero. Then you've got to start again. <laughs> you're going to go again. Yeah. So How much more you to start again? Yeah, exactly. Did you, did you start a new business or yep. what did you do? Started again and once again had a, had a, it took, I reckon that took a good two years to just to recover the emotional fortitude from that. I mean, it's not to be honest, man. I mean, I, I learned enough money to buy a house and had a couple of vans. I did do well, but the emotional to get the sleep patterns back, to get all of that to get back up, you know. And so, a couple of years, eighteen months contracting, and then started again at about twenty-seven. 
And once again, hit a couple of guys very quickly because I, I like employing people. I think it's you, you're never going to make money just on yourself. Yep. You have to leverage. Mm-hmm. And then, but a couple of years of doing that again, I was like, once again, just well, it was more burnt out from is this ever going to end? Working all day and then coming home and doing quoting and invoicing and scheduling and ordering materials and fixing vans and like, is it ever going to end? What time would you stay up to? Would you be up to like 11, 12 o'clock at night? Yeah. And, and once a week, one o'clock. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I always say, Dan and Rob, small business will consume you if you let it. You've got to put boundaries and there, huh? You, you have to have boundaries and taking calls late at night. I, I, I rarely take calls late at night unless it's one of the boys that, you know, they've got a question or whatever. But I think the important thing is to avoid that emotional burnout is scheduling time for yourself. And it may not be during the day. It might be after work to go to the gym or like I sauna a lot or it might be meditate might be stretch, spa, whatever, whatever it might it is, be. Yeah. You need to do something for yourself where you escape work and escape family just by yourself to sort of reload and just relax, I reckon. Yeah, it's got a lot to do with uh, testosterone in a male's brain. I don't know if you've ever seen those studies when a guy comes home from work at four or five or six o'clock at night and they just plonk on the lounge and they just kind of stare at the TV <laughs> and the missus is like, what are you doing? Get up and yell with the kids and they're carrying on about that. There's actually a bit of physiology related to that and what it is is your brain is reloading the testosterone that you've depleted throughout right, the day. Right. Yeah, and now that everything's over, like it's come to an end, you sit down and that's why you're like zonking out like that. So to Dan's point where you come home and you eat dinner and then you get going again, you never get to reload that. And that has a cumulative effect on your health and it's really damaging to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. When you guys, I mean, I'm probably older than you guys. You guys look about 32, 35 each. Oh, that's so kind, man. You can come back on this show anytime you like. Thank you. <laughs> How old are you, Dan? I was 32. He was sorry. Yeah, by the way. I'm 40. Because <laughs> um, it was brutal when we started, right? Because there was no software tools. Yeah. I think it was manual, man, manual invoicing, manually copying the supplier invoices, manual timesheets. Everything had to be done manually. So is that what inspired you to sort of start what you're doing now, is it? or No, poverty is what inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> Desperation. <laughs> I love it. You're just solving your own problems, right, is what you're doing there. Yeah, well, so like, so then I got married and took nine months off when overseas and really was contemplating my, my, my life and was really nearly quit and went to become a lawyer, an M&A lawyer. It's also important for everyone to know that I thought I was done until I was about 36 because like a lot of tradies, I have some learning difficulties around like, you know, just focusing and just trying to read instructions and fucking jump around a bit. Yep. And so school was, wasn't easy for me. When you battle so hard to learn, I came out with like, I'm not that bright, if that makes sense. And so therefore I just got to work really hard. But at about 29, I started, you know, I started reading a lot of books on business, a lot of books. And um, everyone should read The E-Myth called Contractors A. Mm, that's a great book, that one. Yeah, life-changing. Everyone needs to read that. And so that's when it, like, it, my mind opened up and I discovered that, oh, business is a science. And then I read 12 articles from the Harvard Business School on business, and it was about marketing, sales, customers, finance, all that. And I was like, oh, man, you can spend 10 years at university learning business, and then it's a science. And that was like mind blowing for me to go, there's no mystery in business. You just got to read the books. And so that was like, okay. And so I learned about value, vision, systems, read the books. I went, oh yeah, that, that all makes sense. And so, okay, so I came back to Auckland, I was 30. And the journey from starting university to earning money was 10 years basically to get back to the same potential to earn income. And I wasn't prepared to do that. And I was like, okay, but this third business has to, has to go. This third one can't fail. 
And I'd read a really good motiva- motivational book also um, on Edmund Hillary, who climbed. That that big mountain in Nepal? Big mountain. Yeah. And he's on our $5 note, yep. and it talks about why he's on the $5 note. And it's not for climbing Everest. It's uh, being prepared to die that day when he climbed it because no one else has climbed it, right? So he was he, the chance of him dying was very, very high, mm. and he still did it anyway. And so the book talked about if you're going to do anything worthwhile, you actually have to be prepared to die, and you have to give everything to it. No plan B. No plan B. Yeah, yeah. And I actually took, I took that approach as like, this has to work and I will die trying to make this third business work. It cannot fail because otherwise I have a life of poverty ahead of me. Like it has to work and I'll go all in and I'll do whatever it takes to, to, to build this business. And so I'd worked out why I had failed the other two and it was just that link in paperwork management, right? Just trying to manage that flow of information from the tradie to the hours to the materials back to the office so you could invoice, right? And so Auckland started at 30, just myself. So got going. A um, couple of years in, a couple of staff, brand. But the second time I had two office people from day one, two part-time office people, and they were taking care of bookings and invoicing for me. That comes off your desk straight away. That's one less thing you've got to worry about. Yep. So I've now all, I will always trade profit for time, always. And so I was like, I'm not working to midnight, one o'clock every night, even though I did because of the software company, but <laughs> for different reasons. But my cash flow issues were never the same, never as bad because, and everyone's got to learn, when you first start, you can have part-time office people two or three hours a day, two or three times a week, and just add more hours in as it goes through. And so that was like, never repeated that mistake again. So my the worst of my paper was never as bad as it used to be. And then a couple of years in, I was like, right, I need to go get a software system. And so the one thing I was trying to solve was that, that problem of how can I create a job, send it to a tradie, he, put, he puts his hours on a bit of paper and it does his timesheet, back costing and hours on the invoice. So I went looking for it and it didn't exist. So I was like, all right, well, it's not that hard. I know what I want. So I found a guy I knew about computers and we did job sheet. So that was about 12 years ago. Um, ended up being the first uh, web-based job management in the world. Yeah, right. You think that it would exist. <laughs> that came out of New Zealand of all places. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So yeah. we built that in nine months, shipped it, and had about 30 grand of revenue relatively quickly. Wow. It was amazing. So you had a new revenue stream in your business as well. No, well, there was a bit of business falling out. That's, that's another podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and but that, So that went quite well. Were you and still then, on the tools at this point, Dan? Were yeah, you still? Yeah, yeah, still growing the plumbing company, paying for the software, yeah. learning. Man, I knew nothing about software at this stage. Uh, completely different business altogether. Completely different. Yeah. Back end, front end, mate, mobile. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Learned a lot about computers. Still, I, I can't write a line of code. And then, so, okay, there's things in the software. So I'll, I'll, I'll do a second one, which was Fergus. And that was just a, that was another pain journey um, because the iPhone came out and then apps came out and the market changed under us, changing under us. We, we couldn't keep up. That's another journey. However, a year in, Fergus has now passed job sheet and functionality and the, and the um, plumbing company is growing. And so in eight years, I went from, from just myself to uh, 24, 25 staff in two branches in the plumbing company and had 12 staff in the software company and had an uh, office in Melbourne, Sydney, Auckland. Wow, that's impressive. Amazing. So, you, so just to confirm, you, you had your plumbing company, you grew it to 24, yeah. and you had Fergus running on the side, was it? Yeah. Or what was your yeah. main revenue show? What was your main focus? Or was it 50-50? Oh, it was just, it was. All over the place. <laughs> like, killing me. like it, was, it was so weird because like, 
the software company did not go well for the first seven years. Like we were dying every day. It was just, had to grind that business out, man. But the plumbing and, was the cash cow to keep it going, yeah, was it? Yeah. Was. yeah. But the software company was bleeding it dry. I was, I got to 90 day turns because I'd bled so much cash out of the plumbing company to fight on into the software company. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm so glad that you're telling that story like this because it's easy as the outsider to look and go, oh man, look at that Fergus thing. That is so cool. This came that in is nowhere, so yeah. slick, man. That is, <laughs> wow. They must be killing it. Yeah, but then maybe. Door to door. Yeah, literally, right? Literally. Went up and down this country to every little town and went on, we organized a lady to do bookings. I'd go and spend two or three days in a town and talk to all the plumbers and sparkies and do in-home demos. I'd be plumbing on the tools, sit on my trader clothes and go to customers' houses and do demos on the way home or at first thing in the morning and still working on the tools just to try and keep it all going. That yeah. was did you did you come to resent the actual trade itself and doing the jobs, or was it just a means to an end? You were okay with it. That's complicated, eh? Because is, I think anyone who gets a bit of age under their belt loves the job and and has enough of the customers. It's a funny paradox that happens, isn't it? <laughs> so when was the transition? Are you still at your plumbing company now, or when did you no, finish I sold that? that um, sold that for um, about seven figures. Wow, um, which, is, which was my plan. So, my so plan how many staff did you have when you sold it? The twenty-five staff. Yes. So and is it plan, still running? Yep, still going. So this is everyone, my plan was to, in 10 years, to build a business and sell it for a million dollars. And you did that. You got did there. That. Very, was that an achievement where you fist bumped and pumped the air and said, come on, man? Oh, I'm still very proud of that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I'm still very, you know, it's, it's one of the things in my life I looked on with great satisfaction of, because the, the check is the recognition that you did something and, right, you nailed it. Yeah, very nice. Still a so, very satisfying <laughs> the moment. So once you got the check, did you transition into full time at Fergus? Yeah. So that yeah. was the deal. So we we raised three and a half million from 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 Australians basically from Australian. Uh, so to go to Australia and learn how to make first meetings to go and buy um, dress pants and dress shirts and dress shoes. <laughs> no more high vis. Mate, it was so weird. I hadn't <laughs> worn the only day I'd worn nice clothes was to my wedding, and that was like. Eight, 10 years ago, right? How old sure were you my when wedding, my wedding clothes were from Lowe's? <laughs> how, how old were you when that happened, Dan? That's like a, a fair chunk of your adult life, like the first half of your adult life, really. I was probably 40 when I first had to wear nice clothes. Yeah, far out. And it was very odd. Felt very uncomfortable. Felt like a peacock, <laughs> right? We're actually wearing nice clothes that fitted well. It was like very, very uncomfortable going to meetings wearing a dress shirt and pants. It was very weird. So, what did the growth look like when you got into Fergus full time? Was it? Amazing, like was it massive growth compared to what it was like with your plumbing company running at the same time? Oh man, that was just pain. It's just trying to run a plumbing company and run a software company at the same oh. time and have, have, have offices in Australia and a plumbing branch on Waikiki Island and having two young kids. Yeah, and also in those first years, I was also completing my drain lane apprenticeship at going to Unitech for studying. I mean, talking about grinding it out, you know, grinding it out. But that's what, it, if you want to be successful and don't want to fail, you have to be prepared to, to go all in. I, I can't help but hear when you're talking about it, it's like you've had multiple careers, but you haven't really because it was all at the same time. Normally people are tradies and get out of doing tradie stuff and then go and be software developers or they're bored of software and they go to do something else like that. But you've had these two things running in parallel all at the same time. What would you say to somebody that's listening to this about focus? Because it's very hard to maintain focus. How do I focus 100% of my energy on the plumbing business while I'm there? But then when I'm at the software business, I've got 100% of my attention and energy there. That's a very hard thing to divide. Fail really hard 
so that you know the pain of failing. <laughs> so looking back, Dan, what would you change? I know it was tough and you got through it now and Fergus is going obviously really well. You sold your business. Would you change anything looking back? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it's really dumb to do the pain journey. So what do you say, learn from other people's pain or? Yeah, get, get mentoring. Like yeah. you, you don't get an apprentice and stick him in the van on day one. You yeah. never do that. He's mm. got to work with a tradie for a couple of years yeah. to learn the ropes. And I just encourage everyone to do actually to get business coaching and mentoring and, and actually learn and, and understand that business is a science and it's solvable. And also to like, I, I do a lot of mentoring now and I'm, I'm coaching a lot of people. I spend a lot of time at telling them how marketing will give you work. And then we just need to build a marketing plan. And then from that marketing plan, you can then trust that you will get revenue and then you can build a business. And so teaching people this to the words I love, um, capital capital allocation. So actually getting to understand finance and money is actually really simple. Like it's just, it's plus and minuses. It's nothing complicated. And that it's, you can have, a, once you understand a business plan, you can have a lot of confidence that you can execute that and your business will grow. Because it's that repeatable customer service proposition. It's a long way of saying, if a customer likes what you do, they will tell two people and you need to have three customers. So therefore, you, a business will always grow. And so therefore, will you grow in chaos or will you grow by being calm and controlled, right? And so I'm trying to educate even don't be chaotic, right? You, we know it's going to grow, okay, and we can predict that growth. Let's model that growth and let's prepare for that growth. And then you go, oh, sweet, and then now it's, now it's, now it's just execute. And also do think it's amazingly easy to start business now. I mean, there's tools like Fergus and Zero out there. Amazing, right? Yeah. Whereas when we started, did you guys still start on like double bookkeeping <laughs> paper journals and take your receipts to the accountant? You got to press really hard because it's in triplicate. One for me, one for the customer, one for the other one for the office like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's I was fortunate. What it was. When I started, there was zero. I started in 2011, I think it was, my, first, my own business and I had already all those programs in place. So there wasn't much paperwork. But um, I know we use a job management software. I've, not Fergus yet, but um, we tried to do it via text and it was an absolute nightmare. And you've got a mobile it, phone as well. Yeah, Back right. in the day, Even he with didn't With a mobile it. phone, yeah. like scrolling through photos. Oh, I was just an absolute shambles. And I didn't realize how bad it was until you have a software in place to go, wow, oh. this is how good it can be. God, how are <laughs> we doing all like that? <laughs> and we, I reckon we still say to this day, remember how bad it was when we were scrolling through thousands and thousands of photos trying to find oh, that job or shuddering. find what we did on that day? <laughs> Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I can sense your skin crawling, Dan. <laughs> never lament the past. <laughs> never lament the past. Hey, Dan, let's take a, a little break and we'll bring you back and let's talk some business coaching stuff and talk about the software as well. We'll be right back. there, Rob Russ here. If this is your first time here at the Electricians Co-op, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back and thank you for your loyalty. Now, if you like what you hear on today's show, make sure you share this podcast with your mates who are electricians. Jamie, myself and Dan want to reach as many people as we can with the Electricians Co-op. We want to help more people to break through to the next level in their career, their business and their life.
All righty, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about this business coaching stuff because that seems like uh, the center of your world and I really – I love the story that you're telling there on the front end of the show. So thank you so much for being so so giving and so honest and so raw about it all because it's not all beer and Skittles all the time. Often it's uh, very hard. It's trying on you emotionally. It's taxing on your family and your children and things like that. So I really appreciate you being so honest with us up there at the front of the show, Dan. Thank you. Oh, yeah, pleasure. But it must be difficult as well. People people need to understand that business, the, the pain journey – it must be difficult because otherwise there's only opportunity because people can't be bothered to solve problems mm. because they're difficult. So therefore, if you're going to go into business, it must be difficult. Now, how difficult it can be is how difficult you want it to be. But there, there must be pain involved because, yeah. for, you know, for, as I said, everyone, like we know how to get r- rockets to the moon. It's just very difficult. The answers are there. We just don't know what they are. The answers are there. So how hard do we have to work to find the answers? And so when we go into business, we have to realize all the answers are there, but are we actually in the right headspace to go looking for the answers? Or are we just going to kind of hope it's going to kind of work out? Yeah. And so when you finally make that realization that the answers are there, you then go, okay, do I want to learn those skills or do I just want to pay someone to do, to do, to do that for me? And then it becomes really simple. Yeah, that's beautifully beautifully said. I would kind of amplify that by saying that you can't do everything by yourself and, and it's impossible for you to know everything as well. So at some point you need to put your hand up and say, hey, I need a bit of a hand like that. And you say it all the time, Jamie. I love how you talk about it with your kids and you say to your kids, you've got to ask. You've got to ask. If you don't ask for it, I don't know that you want whatever it is that you want. You've got to speak up and to do that. Now, I think that's a really important lesson in business that most small business owners, particularly when they're starting out, fail to recognize. They think that putting their hand up, asking for help about something they don't know about something is a sign of weakness. Yeah, totally. But you just can't be expected to know all of those things. It's absolutely impossible. But the you thing is, if you- I've also seen a Sorry. lot, because you know, I've put, I've put Fergus into thousands of businesses now and talked to a lot of tradies is um, the change management. A lot of it is um, based on, I don't want to say fear, but like fear of being embarrassed. Like the, like the old boys don't want to admit they can't use a phone properly. Mm. So they go, oh, piece of, piece of crap, not using that. But that's the mask for the fear that they might be seen to be incompetent. And so it's like, it's, who cares? It's okay. <laughs> it's totally cool. <laughs> And it's totally dumb for you to spend a minute on marketing when you could be out earning that money on, on the tools. Yeah. And so it's like, don't learn marketing. Don't learn websites. Just go and earn money and pay someone to do it for you. Way more fun. Yeah. Stick yeah, to I you. Think it's, I think when you, you ask somebody a question, it encourages them to probably ask one back and it sort of breaks the ice between, oh, oh I don't want to ask him that just in case he thinks I'm a dickhead, you know. Mm. And I, I had an older guy the other day. <clears throat> he, we use another management software and he rang me to ask about it and it's very uncharacteristic for him to ask anything. And now he's just asking me questions and his team's asking me and I think that's be, it's important, particularly for Sparkies because we're all in this together. And if you've got a question, put your hand up and ask. Like if you don't, if you if you don't want to know the answer to a question, and I know it, why wouldn't you ask me? It's crazy not to to do that. But um, like you touched on before, Robert, people think, oh, God, he thinks I'm a dumb kind of. Yeah. I'm weak if I yeah if I if I ask him that question, you know. So I think we should really encourage that. And a few guys on 
on Instagram have reached out to me to ask me some questions. And like I've touched on before, please reach out if there's something I can help you with or based on my limited experience, I'm certainly happy to. And um, on the back of Fergus, you know, Fergus is a particularly one of those big brands that can really help you with your business. If you're not using something like Fergus, definitely reach out to the Fergus group and they can certainly help you. Dan, can I ask some direct questions about the software? Can we have a little bit of fun with you here? You can try. <laughs> You're already two steps behind. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe like some shorter answers if you want uh, and get yeah. right to the point. Because what I want to do is maybe showcase it a little bit here with you yeah, sure. as the creator and the founder of it. What is the one big problem that Fergus solves? Uh, cash flow through, through making it easier to invoice. Well, that's the problem that every business actually has, right? Jamie, here's your one. What's the most used feature? The scheduling tool. Yeah, right. Like scheduling jobs or staff? Scheduling staff to, to, to the, the jobs. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that one of the biggest bugbears for you? You kind of mentioned that earlier on the podcast there. Is that something that was hard to allocate jobs to people? Yeah, well, you know, Monday morning it's all booked and by Monday 10 o'clock it's all changed. <laughs> <laughs> the best laid plans, they just go sideways, well, don't they? I'd probably say that most guys that don't use a management system like yours, Dan, are just texting each other. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of that still? Yeah. Like yeah. what percentage of people do you talk to are still doing something like uh, that? Apparently the market in Australia is 40% are, on, are, are just on a um, nothing. When I say nothing, they're on like a Gmail and email. So that's Spreadsheet. part of the system. Yeah, right. They've got a system but not a formalised system like yeah, it was like a piece of dedicated software like that. Always in the market so it has nothing. Uh, yeah. I'd go as far as saying job management software will change your life and business. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's no, that not- serious. And if you're not doing it, you're crazy, honestly. Just reach out to a company like yours, Dan, and it's it's astonishing what it'll do for you. It's astonishing. Yeah. Hey, Dan, I, I know uh, how difficult it is to build software. I also have a software as a service business as well, and I know that it never finishes. Um, there's always some iteration of something, and uh, I do this with my brother, and every now and then my bro goes, oh, I'm going to roll out this new feature, Rob, and this feature is going to do A, B, and C, X, Y, and Z. And I can tell you, man, that this thing is going to get us another 500 sales and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. He gets all excited and I'm like, yeah, yeah. really, man, that's what you said in the last three of those in- iterations and, you know, like $30,000 later, what, what the hell? Yeah. I, I want to ask you, is there a feature that you guys have inside of Fergus that is really useful but is not used very much or you don't see it used the way that you would – like because yeah, people gross, don't embrace it. Yeah, the gross margins on back costing and invoicing and quoting, it's there. It's easy to use, but people don't understand gross margin. Right. And therefore, they don't use it because they don't know the overheads. So therefore, they don't know how to set the gross margin plus a plus a profit margin. Sorry, overheads plus a profit margin equals your gross margin. Yep. And they don't understand that concept, so therefore, they don't use it. So do you see them not using that and you bring that to light and they're like, oh, my God, that's like life-changing? If you need to, if you don't understand gross margin as a business model, you don't understand why it's so amazing. (laughs) Do you see people have revelations when you explain that to them? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why why you need business mentoring and coaching to understand how gross margin as a business model actually works. Because once you you get it, you go – Oh my God, how easy is business? <laughs> I'm now making money because every mm. job's going to hit my gross margin and I can strain my overheads. And people just not using that in the software. Yeah, they don't understand it. Right. What, what, is the, what do you think the gap is there? Is that's the gap in their personal knowledge? It's not the gap yeah. in the software? Yeah, the gap in their personal knowledge of understanding literally gross margin minus overheads equals net profit. Right. 
And if you don't under, it's literally that simple, right? You ten percent net profit on top of your overheads equals your gross margin. Yep. I, I, I call it the 40, 30, 10 rule. Forty percent gross margin, thirty percent overheads, ten percent net profit. Yep. You guys get it? Easy. And so Fergus is built on gross margin. So all the back costing, all the labor, automatically goes to the jobs. So you click on a button, look at your jobs and go, oh, what's my gross margin? Do your invoice, what's my gross margin? So, and you can easily toggle it up to get to your gross margin. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand gross margin. Can I ask you how many Sparkies you help out globally, Dan? Uh, Sparkies globally would be over 10,000 now. Wow. That's, wow. That's a lot of people. Through how many countries? The main countries are New Zealand, Australia, UK, Canada, and America. 10,000. Wow, that's a lot. And yeah, yeah. and plumbing as well, is it? Or is it? Oh, yeah, it's way, it's way more than that. Well, that's just Sparkies. Yeah, right. So when you when you built it, did you, you so obviously you created the concept and the idea for your plumbing business. That's where it yeah. started. How far along were you in the development cycle when you thought, hang on a minute, this could work for other tradies and other service-based companies as well? No. So I've been very good. I've always picked um, that, that saying, um, just pick a niche and focus on it. Stayed in your lane. I love it. Stayed in my lane. Plumbers and Sparkies. It's, we, of course, we have other people, but um, we tell them, sorry, our core market is Plumbers and Sparkies, and we just nail that lane. That's all we do. Makes it easy. Makes it easy. And it, it manages people's expectations. So that means we won't do custom development for painters and plasterers and tilers and it's like, nah. But do you still have those people in your ecosystem? Yep. You oh, do. We just manage their expectation and run custom development. Just target the guys that make the most money. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon that is? Yeah. It must be yeah, tempting. That's right. Exactly. It must be tempting to kind of expand that footprint a little bit into other businesses or not really. No, you're shaking your head there. No. You, well, mate, everyone knows. Fergus is for plumbers and sparkies, right? Yeah. We own that. And that's that's priceless. That brand is about people understanding what you do. And people know we own that market. So no, st- stick always so brand is about people understanding what you do. Being very clear on it. We don't want to be, oh yeah, they're kind of okay. People know shit. No, if you're a plumber sparky, this is this is the business. Mm. Makes sense. You're up, it's, Jamie. It's, it's best to be a, a big fish in a small pond. Not a small fish in a big pond. Yeah, there's the old man's advice coming back out again. So there's yeah. a number he of, was right again. <laughs> there's a number of other companies out there that do something similar. So what stands you out from the competition? Well, do you know that we, we, we pioneered getting the supplier data into the platforms? We're the first in the, first in the world to do that. Like via APIs and whatnot? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had to go around Australia's own suppliers. Yeah, to get them all. Years yeah. pioneering getting those data feeds. <laughs> what a mission. Mission. Yeah. And, we, and we were the first to like get that timesheet data the time entries to go to your back costing into your into your payroll, like and that we'll, that's and you've never seen our dashboard, but I'm built at making it easy to invoice, right? So the fact I pioneered getting that supplier data and the time data onto a job, and you can create an invoice in under a minute with all the data and no data entry, that's Beautiful. unbelievable, right? So yeah. the stats we check is average time to invoice, and so um, people's average time to invoice is three minutes to do an invoice. Right, so in, so in an hour you can bang up twenty invoices, and so that's a really important metric that we that we track and follow. We're always trying to look for ways to make it easier to invoice. To get, well, that means getting the data in so you can get onto the invoice super quick, and so that's that's what we're world famous for. And the accuracy there via API, just yeah. you can't make a mistake. It's like perfect. Yeah, because there's a really nice purchase ordering system, so you mm. get the supplier the order number. And it just comes straight straight to the right place. And it's 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 actually magic. It's it's actually magic. Yeah, when those things work well, when they're plugged into databases like that, it works beautifully. I've seen that a, a lot in software. 
So, Dan, if someone was coming, wanted to come across the Fergus or join from another company, do you have people out there looking to sort of teach people, learn, teach them the ropes on how to get involved in Fergus and show them the software? Yeah, it's funny. We have quite a good process. You have to go through a demo, and it's kind of like an interview assessment where we, we both suss each other out because there has to be a willingness to engage. So we have, we have a minimum of four training sessions that you have to sign up for. Now, we can't force you to take them. But if you're not going to take them, then it's unlikely we'll, we'll, pro, we'll press, um, progress with you. Because if you're not going to take out the training, the chance of you having a successful experience mm. are diminishing. Well, that's a commitment to each other, isn't it? It is, because you need to have the time to commit to a system. So if you can't commit to four one-hour training sessions, how are you ever going to learn Fergus? It's impossible. Mm. And so it's like, well, you're not going to have a successful time. Are you sure you want to do this? And most people take it up. But like, it's that commitment that we... we You've got to learn to say no to customers, right? Everyone learns that, right? After about 10 years of, you go, oh, some people aren't working for. <laughs> and so isn't it funny because crappy people have crappy friends, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we take that a step further and talk about firing customers all the time, don't we, Jamie? <laughs> and I often, you would have I been oft, there too. I often say that, Dan. I won't, I won't mention the builders, but shit builders have shit clients. Yeah. And we're dragged into You're the You're on the termite. receiving end. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. So that's therefore they've got the ethos. We're still prepared to say no to anyone because if you're not good, and so therefore that's the interview. You say, "Yep, cool." So then we have what's called customer success, and so success is only concerned about you achieving an outcome. So that's unlimited training, free training. So that will go through to helping you set your employees up. Because I understand tradies are not all of them are really comfortable with computers. So we've got that free support with actual people and employed in the office. It will actually just do the data entry for you to make it easy. Help you get set up and understand the system and how it works. Yeah, you just need to see it a couple of times once you see it. Yep, and so that's why we have real people because real people, and it's all done by Zoom nowadays, right? Which is great. Yeah, so easy. And so the other ones who take away that fear, right? Because once you're set up and have some training sessions, okay, you're away. And so that's why there's four of them because we found that that's what that's what you need. You need four hours, one week apart, to get you through the whole the whole thing comfortably. Yeah, nice one. Hey, when I look at your website, Dan, you've got a lot of partners on there as well that you plug into. So there's a lot of things that you can do with this software. Tell us about those partners. So if someone's not familiar with Fergus, they've never, uh, they've heard of it before, they've never encountered it. You've got partners that we can plug into this, suppliers, all those sorts of things you're talking about there. Can you just expand on that for us a little bit? I'll give you the sales pitch, eh? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, let's go. So, so when I was talking to finance people trying to raise money to explain Fergus, it's like, okay, so 25 staff. So in one calendar year, I would do 6,000 unique projects for customers. So we would do about 11,000 invoices. We would do about uh, 15,000 scheduled site visits to do all that work. We would process 30,000 supplier documents. We would do about 3,000 quotes, 2,500 gas certs, about 10,000 health and safety orders. So I built a system that that automates most of those tasks. So that's what we call um, either job management or practice software management. But Fergus is not financial management, right? So you do invoicing in Fergus, but all the reconciliation, all the finance happens in zero. So all MYB or, or QuickBooks. So those are major integrations. And then the other major integrations are going to be your suppliers. So we've got nearly all the major suppliers in Australasia. And that's where all their invoices will come straight into the platform. And that's why there's so, so many of them. Because we just want that. Because I, I know from myself the pain of cash flow is is all stress is related to cash flow. Basically, as soon as you solve cash flow, 
everything else just becomes sort of manageable. And so therefore, the single biggest pain point to solve in a trade business is to get that supplier data in. Nice. And is that an ever-evolving list that's always growing? Yeah. yeah. You're constantly adding them to it. So it never, you're never going to get them all. No. Well, we're doing a new thing at the moment, but that's boring for us. Well, no, <laughs> amazing. Uh, we, we're, doing, we're doing just an email ingestion. So you can just, so if the suppliers don't do an API, they can just email us their invoice and we can suck it in off an email. Right. And then it just gets processed inside of your system. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, hey, Dan, nice. can you tell us about a success story where you've had a guy maybe like I used to do with your text with messaging, a text message. everything on paper, <laughs> faxing or whatever, to where they are now based off working with Fergus? Man, there's so many. There's so many. It's unbelievable how many. Can you like, give us an example of someone that you, you've spoken to or heard of? The classic one, I don't know if you've seen the video with Milady. Have you ever seen the video with Milady? No. It's no. So it's like a third generation electrical firm. And they've got a warehouse, like 15 staff, been around forever. And they were sort of on paper, really. And they put Ferguson. And they were like, it was life-changing. We're, <laughs> we're now making money. We just had no idea how much money was just walking out. The parts, materials, labor, just missing. Just not tracking anything. Just, just going missing. I mean, the amount of people that still reach out to me, email me and say, you've changed my life. It's, it's legendary. That makes it all worth it, doesn't it? It does make it worth it. Yeah. And you because know, most our mission statement is to improve the lives of tradies, right? And it may sound a bit glib when you first hear it, but I touched on a point that you um, raised before is because you know I've dedicated a large chunk of my life into the software because a good mate of mine, Brett, yeah, he he took his own life because the business was going bad and he had four kids mm. and he, he blew his head off with a Ramsey gun. Wow, tragic. Magic. And so I've lost two friends to suicide and countless friends have had their marriages gone and businesses gone, lost their houses because businesses have gone bad, right? And so we say we're improving the lives of trades because when it goes bad, it goes really bad for them. Yeah. And that's what we're here to change. And, to, and the way that's tangible is a cash flow and net profit. And we measure that through um, the amount of tradies that have cash flow sub 30 days because that's how we're trying to improve the software is like, tweaking it to get so people pay you sub 30 days what do we need to do to keep making it easy to invoice and that experience that they'll, they'll keep paying you because we know that cash flow is, is is what makes it okay to be in business yeah i love it it's beautifully articulated and well said you ain't nobody's bank that's for sure mm. i think the whole industry needs a change in that regard whereas you walk into Woolies you push the trolley out you don't say send me an invoice do you? you pay there and then and the same thing with our time and the materials that we supplied, it's almost like everyone needs a pay wave system. You walk out the door and boom, swap right, the, swap a, your card. I've got a challenge for you two to see if you agree. Happy for you to disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, is what, what have you got for us? Let's hear it. Yep. So i got a saying that I, I teach every tradie is you have a right to get paid, but you do not have the right to spend someone's money without permission. Yeah. And tradies have to start telling people what it's going to cost. Yeah. Customers cannot just start getting bills for two grand, five grand, eight grand, twelve grand in the in the, in the post. It's unprofessional. Yeah, and you cannot do it. Well, it goes to that very point that you're talking about, Jamie. You don't go into Woolies and then put everything in your trolley, load it up, and get a bill for eight grand. You know exactly what it's going to cost yeah, right. when you get there. Yeah. So there's yeah. no. You might be upset that it's a bit more expensive, but it just is what it is. Mm. We had a client the other day. We the job was worth about twenty two grand, and um, they expected something to be done for free. And he said to me, oh, I just would have expected, would have just done that. 
Oh yeah, and I can I work for free him, as well I if you want me to. When I'm pushing, I use the Woolworths <laughs> analogy yeah. all the time. I'm like, when I'm pushing my trolley through the checkout and I grab a Mars bar and eat a Mars bar, I don't say to the checkout person, "Oh, I would have thought you would have just chucked that in because I've just paid for all that shopping." <laughs> it's the exact same thing. It's the same thing. It's a silly analogy, but it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah, it is true, but still, so therefore, I'm challenge you on that. There's something in your value proposition where he felt he didn't get value that he wanted something for free. Yeah. What it's, was it that he wanted for free? Oh, it was, it was something. It was like instead of putting a weatherproof PowerPoint on, instead of putting a plug base for a, um, for some garden lighting, he wanted a weatherproof PowerPoint. Something like something was it minor? Really, it was it was so minor, but the audacity for him to ask because he's doing it to all his trades. Yeah, right. Um, so I just sort of stood up for him and said, um, "Well, that's extra." Just is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah fair enough. You feel okay? You look okay. Yeah, man, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's take a little break and we'll close this show out. Well, Dan, as we're bumping up uh, against an hour here, I just wanted to say thank you so much for dialing in from Auckland again today. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. As we get to the end of these podcasts, I always like to ask the guests if they wanted to add anything that maybe we left out. Uh, we covered a lot of ground, as I said. Is there something you wanted to add or did we cover it all for you? Yes, mate. There's so much to talk about. I want to come back on. There's so much to talk about how to manage customers and manage staff so that they work. How do, how do you get people to willingly work for you? Well, I'd love to have you back and we can talk about that conversation for sure. That's definitely on the cards. Would you be up for another episode with us? Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. I, I just don't want to see other traders suffer what we've all suffered when it's so, it's so much, so many ways to make it easier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, I do want people to realize, I do think in many ways business is harder now, and especially with all the compliance and health and safety and tax. It's much more difficult now to be in business. There's a lot more stresses in other ways now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get some uh, more time carved out on the calendar and we'll have you back on and we'll talk about some leadership things and maybe some business mentoring, coaching type stuff and the services that you offer there because we'd love to see some more of that. Uh, Dan, if people wanted to connect with you and to find out more about Fergus, what's the best way to do that? They can just go hello at Fergus.com or if they need to, they can go Dan at Fergus.com if they need to talk to me directly. I'm happy to always like talking to people. Okay. Um, Oh, did, did we mention we got that promo code for two months free? We got a little deal going in for the Electricians Co-op uh, listeners out there. If you just head over to the website and you enter the promo code TEC21, that's Tango Echo Charlie 21. If you can't remember that, just take a little peek at the show notes and all of the details will be right there. Can you tell us, Dan, what that uh, little offer actually entails? Because it's a pretty good deal. No, that's too much free. Too much free for your whole team. Onboarding training a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Get on board, guys. Yeah, get on board, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, two months worth of Fergus for free. That's uh, And the training there as well. That's a, a really good one. Dan, do you have a preferred social media with Fergus? Is it Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, something like that? Man, I'm so famous on private now. On <laughs> <I'm> what? <laughs> what are you famous on? He's so famous, he's private. <laughs> <laughs> he just extracted himself from the public eye behind well the scenes, typing on a computer. No, he said he couldn't code. He's telling the people that are coding there to type away. Come on, hurry up. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've missed that boat. It's not my It's not my cup of tea. Not your cup of tea. What about for the actual brand for Ferguson it, itself? Yeah, is oh, they, they've got, all, they've got all, all of the socials. All the socials. Okay, excellent. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you just have a little peek at the show notes and connect with the folks over at Fergus. Follow them on Instagram and whatnot as well. Jamie, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way? 
at Instagram just uh, kicked 2,500 followers, which is pretty exciting. Um, on, on the money, 25 on the money. Pretty much just about an hour ago, I hit 2,500, oh, which nice. is pretty cool. Congratulations. So I'm um, getting a lot of messages saying that they like what we're doing on the cult, which is really exciting. So, and all our guests, obviously, thank you, Dan, for coming on. Um, but at Pro Image Electrical or via Facebook, what about you, Rob? Mate, well, you can uh, have a connection at rob.brus77 or the Electricians Co-op Instagram is oh, now yeah, the that's preference. Right. Yeah, we're all, we're live on the Instagram page, so yeah. please follow us on there as well. Just at the Electricians Co-op, nice and simple, and you can find us over there. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming over the next – I'm going to tell you about that. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to be helping us soon, and oh, yeah, I've got a little plan with Instagram. We're partners, aren't we? We're going to go right past <laughs> 2,500 followers. Like, quick, smart, man. We're going to just going to go – Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, we'll go right past that. It'll be a bit of fun. We'll get it overseas and do – the international thing and have a little bit of fun with that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, looking forward to that. I think the Australian accent's appealing over in America, so we're looking forward to getting over there. Yeah, it'd be fun there. Yeah. And we'll bring the Kiwi with us as well, yeah? We'll bring the token Kiwi with us. Just give us your Australian accent again, Dan. Oh, mate, yeah, no, I'll, I'll come over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but it's, it's funny. I love it. I love, I love it. it. Hey, have you got a parting comment for us? Uh I got nothing, mate. You got you got nothing, man. I'm unprepared. I was a little late for the show today, so I got nothing planned. But um, you weren't flustered for a change, which was good. I was dying for a coffee. Though. I was nodding off. I had the toothpicks in the eyelids on the way here. So did the strong brew help? <laughs> yeah, feeling good now. Yeah, that did the trick. All right, I got a I got a parting comment what for you. Got? All I see is victory, baby. <laughs> All I see is victory. I had that quote somewhere sitting around on my desk, and <laughs> it kind of just stuck in my head. Hey, Dan, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the Electricians Cult. We really appreciate it, mate, and we look forward to speaking to you next time. It's bye for now.
pretty view, take your breath away. Baby, we deserve a break from our old ways. Anywhere is home when you're with me. Come and take a seat next to me, babe. Let this pretty view take your breath away. Baby, we deserve a break from our old ways. Cause I'm taking you to paradise, paradise. You know where we're going tonight, going tonight. Paradise, paradise. I'm taking you to paradise, paradise. I don't even care about the price, care about the price, yeah. Paradise, paradise. I'm Paradise